Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Voice of Reason podcast. This is your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's guest as a part of my ongoing series on sexuality, gender, and transition is Sean Lindsay, who is a trans man. So that means started life as a girl and kind of uh, around late 20s transitioned into a man. So we talk about his experience with that transition, with the gender dysphoria, and his current concern about the state of the trans community and how it seems like some radical voices are poisoning the well with regards to public perception and also perhaps making it more difficult for somebody to examine their life and to really see if transition is something that is proper for them. Um, So this is another completely different viewpoint than I think I've shown here before. Another wonderful person. such a rich heart. Anyways, here's Sean Lindsay. It's super complicated, but I was interested in, um, I just got this idea. If you desist or detransition, um, what kind of stigma is there? I was curious about that. That's what led me to find your videos was I was curious about, um, if there was outspoken, like I can only imagine that there would be a lot of backlash. Um, and that kind of concerns me because I think we ought to all just let each other be. Hmm. And so it's frustrating to see um, people turn on their own in effect, you know, like, so yeah, I thought a lot about that. Like I don't have any specific talking points except to say that I'm not one of those kind of people, but I have a heart for um, anyone who wants to change their path. And mm-hmm. so um so I got to look watching your videos more and some other people. And I thought I'm not hearing a whole lot of like solid trans people stories. Like, um, there was a video you did a couple days ago with, a I don't remember what his name was, but at the beginning of the video, you prefaced it by saying that you really want to tell the story, like a whole story. You want multiple sides. Um, yet it seems that you're not getting, multiple sides. So I thought, well, I can be one of those, like I can be a voice because I'm, um, I think that transitioning probably saved my life and it was certainly the right choice for me. Okay. Um, and it's not something that I'm ashamed of, but it's not something that I wear. Like, it's just part of me. Yeah. I don't have any problems telling people, but it's not like I walk up to you and say, Hey, what does your junk look like? You know? (laughs) Like, so why would you need to know about mine? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but no, it, it makes perfect sense. And so would you like to talk about, um, how the thought of transitioning, uh, came to be inside of you and, and the path towards that? And then, uh, how, what was like to transition and, and what are some of the things that it resolved for you? And perhaps even some of the things that it opened up to you uh, with regards to insights and maybe even problems you hadn't seen before then? 
So I've been on testosterone for 17, 18 years, oh, something wow. like that. So for quite some time. Um, but I have to say that I initially, like, there are many little steps where along the way I was like, no, this is the way to go. But the first time I considered transitioning was just after college. Uh, so at age 21, 22, right around there, um, someone, someone else, a female to male in my school, I know female to male, male to female at my college transitioned and it kind of opened the door. I was like, I didn't even know that you could do that. So I started looking into it and I thought, well, okay, so that's an option, but I'm going to just keep going and see what I can do. I think that in college, I fell into theater and theater was a way for me to just be uh, like, they, it seemed like for the most part, they didn't care. Like, can you do the job? Okay. And that set well in my life, like my worldview. That was how I was raised. Can you do the job? All right, then let's keep going. Um, so I, I kind of put it on the shelf, right? Like, okay, so transitioning is something I can, I can do. I certainly enjoyed, uh, like I cross-dressed a lot and went out I'm a theater crowd, right? You can do anything you want. So it was lots of fun to go out and not be known and to play kind of. And then the older I got, I went out and worked and traveled around and met more people. And um, ultimately, I think I tried everything to not transition. And by the time I was 27, 26 or 27, I thought, uh, this is it. Like I, I have tried them all. They all mm. didn't work. Um, I'm just going to see what it takes to start transitioning. And um, I think some of the things that I heard, especially in the, gosh, what's their name? Peak resistance or something in those, in those women speaking. Uh, I think a lot of young trans people think that transitioning is going to solve your problems. And like, you're still a person like those problems are still there. And I've known that kind of all along. I think also they expect immediate recognition. And my attitude going in was, well, it took me like 26 years to come to this decision. Like, how can you accept that I've made this decision in five minutes? Like, that yeah. just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I think that I was much more um, forgiving of people around me. Like, you've known me every day as this, and now I change to that. And I can't expect you just to overnight beyond that, like, but most of my family was super supportive and they said, we don't really understand, but if that's what you need to do, okay. I got, I felt like I got a, many of the same questions over and over again. Well, didn't you think that you might've just been a lesbian? Like, huh? well, I'm not attracted to girls. So no, I've never thought that. And so hearing people say sexuality and gender identity are so not related, um, I, th I think that I have a pretty typical story. I think one of the things that's disturbed me about hearing the people who are desisting is um, what informed consent seems to have become. Because yeah. I started transitioning so long ago that at the time I sought out informed consent practitioners because the, because the methods were really kind of cruel. Like the methods by which you could get recognition and... Um, thereby hormones were they seemed really um, barbaric like could you, you detail some of those sure um 
Let's see. The one I remember being the most difficult for a lot of people was that you needed to cross live without any assistance, meaning live in your target gender for two years while seeing a therapist on a monthly basis. It may have been weekly, but I thought it was monthly. Um, and two years is a lot, is a long time for you for, you know, it's not as much time for you when you're 40 clearly, but it's, it's a lot of time for someone who's 25 um, hmm. and at 26, I don't even remember 26, 27, it seemed really out of like, there are so many things to try and deal with without the benefit of hormones, um, female to male, at least like testosterone does a lot of work and passing is pretty easy fairly quickly because of that. Um, but hmm. testosterone does a lot of work that is hard to take back. So if you're male to female, I, I can't even imagine having a deep voice and having to go get electrolysis and having all these things for two years before you can even really be seen by a physician to talk about moving forward. Like that seems cruel to okay. me. Okay. Um, so I was fortunate and I happened to be close to one of the places that at the time did informed consent. And there was a, a huge, I felt like it was a huge battery of questions. I had to see a social worker and I had to see a psychologist. And many of the things that were in my favor, like I was older than 21, which at the time you had to be 21 to use informed consent. Uh, 21 and under was, they had a different program. I had a kid. I did not have a partner. Um, there were There were all of these things I checked all the boxes. I didn't have suicidal tendencies. I didn't have anger problems. I wasn't impulsive. Like those are all things that are, um, I suppose they're red flags if you're going to start testosterone because impulsivity, um, if you're going to start gender transition and you don't already have children, you probably need to think about that because you might never have children. Mm -hmm. Um, so and testosterone anyway, is going to increase your uh, aggression, perhaps, uh, and perhaps your impulsivity. For me, it took it completely perhaps. out of the. That's one of the funny like backfires for me. Was like I didn't. I was much more aggressive before testosterone. Oh really? Yeah. Huh. So it. I think part of that was just being angry with the world at not seeing me the way I wanted to be seen. Yeah. And it wasn't even that I needed to be seen as male. It's just that I didn't. I was so angry at being seen as kind of less than in so many ways. Okay. You know, like uh, a funny story I like to tell is that as a carpenter in the theater, as a girl, everybody is so impressed. Oh my gosh, she can use a table saw. Look, she can use all these things. She can weld. Oh my gosh. Um, she's a rigger. She knows how to tie knots. And as a guy, you're just expected to know how to do all these things. Like, so they're really strange. Hmm. Um, I, I was tired of fighting, you know, and I yeah. had to fight. I had to fight for everything I had. And it was a good, I wouldn't change a bit of my life. Like I wouldn't change it at all. Um, but it certainly was a struggle and I was angry all the time. And when my voice started changing, that anger just melted. It was the most crazy thing. I didn't expect it. It was one of the best things to happen to me. Huh. So did you have, um, I want to bring up the topic of gender dysphoria, um, okay. or, or just venture into what was it, um, from the inside rather than the outside that, hormones would change and that transition would help you, um, help you with? 
I, I was there gender dysphoria? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I can say that now because of hindsight, right? So hindsight is clearly twenty twenty. Um, I had a lot of early signs that would have like. I, if I had been my parent, you know, looking back, I don't know that I wouldn't be in favor of just to lay out. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about things like puberty blockers and, and all of that. Like, I think that those decisions are massive and I don't think they should be easily available. So I'm just putting that out there. But as a parent, if I had been the parent of of me, the signs were obvious. Like there, my parent, my mom still has a card that one of my aunts gave to me when I was like four and I had scratched out the word girl and written boy on the front. Like, hmm. and I told my parents frequently that I would have a penis when I grew up, like just point of fact. Um, and my parents were really just like, yeah, be whatever you want to be. So like, they didn't say, oh, you have to conform to this gender role. They never said that, but they also didn't, you know, I remember like this is a kind of a strange memory, but I remember being 11 or 12 and watching um, St. Elsewhere, the, like a hospital drama, right, from way back when. And there was an intersex child born and there was all this drama about whether they should choose what they should choose. Right. And that was my first idea that that something different could happen. And I told my parents, you just picked wrong. That's OK. Like, I can deal with this. You just picked wrong because I was so certain at 11 that it was that something was amiss okay um but my parents were just really supportive and so i was an athlete and i showed horses and i did art and that, like there wasn't anything that they didn't get behind so i just continued on thinking that it didn't really matter who you were you just if you tried hard enough you could do it so hmm. um i think that i've accused them before of if they had forced me to choose earlier, I probably would have chosen earlier. Chosen but I didn't feel like transition. I had to choose, right? Like if I had been forced into female typical roles, I probably would have chosen to transition at an earlier date. Okay. But because they really were like very much gender roles are equal, just be yourself. I think that gave me space to explore me as a human being first and then figure out what fit best. And there certainly is like in hindsight, I've always had a feeling of being a gay man trapped in a woman's body. Like I said that all through college. Oh, it's okay. Like, I don't think that I, I don't think that I ever found a guy I wanted to date in college that wasn't gay. Hmm. Like ultimately I look back now and know they're all married to men and that totally makes sense. And that I had a type and that just happened to be my type. Would, the, um, would you say like a more flamboyant gay or a no, more cis kind of gay? Or? Yeah, I don't even know. Like, hmm. I think that some of them at the time didn't even know they were gay, you know, hmm. in a lot of ways or didn't or couldn't come out or whatever. I mean, it was different. It was so I graduated from college in 96, which wasn't. I mean, it, it wasn't as open as it is now, certainly, but it wasn't um, as repressive as it had been. So, yeah, yeah. But I think there was still a lot. I mean, I went to college in a, at a liberal arts, a very small liberal arts college, and there were a lot of people from very, very small towns. So, like, thinking that that's when people were starting to come out is quite, I mean, that's quite likely. Hmm. So. And did you. Um... What made you so cautious? 
I don't know that it was cautious. It was just um, I've always been the kind of person to try and get all of the information I can before I make a decision. So I think there was at first there was a little. So I was raised Quaker, which is a bit different from a lot of people, but very thoughtful, right? Like think about things. Don't just judge. And Mm -hmm. um, that probably that probably helped. I didn't have a very um, religious outlook, but still some sort of idea that there was a higher being. So if this is how I was meant to be. So initially, when I first thought about transitioning, there was a website called American Boys, something like that. And this is also the beginning of the internet, right? 1996. It's pretty early. Um, But this American Boys questionnaire that had, if you can answer yes to all these questions, by all means, transition. And if you have any hesitation, probably think about it some more. Hmm. So there were a couple of the questions that I wasn't sure about, and I was willing to let that. I'm like, no, this is pretty serious. One of them was, can you handle the thought of losing friends and family members? At the time, I said no. And, you know, seven years later, like, it didn't seem like such a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I did, I don't think that I went back to the website, but I did use that same kind of idea of this checklist, like, Mm are these things that were sticking points before, are they still sticking points or not? The other one was, can you handle the idea of not being fully sexually functioning, right? Because that's a danger. If you want to go for surgery, there is a danger of losing functionality. And at the time I thought, oh no, no way at 26, there's no way that I, I mean, not at 26, at 21, that just wasn't, I couldn't handle that thought. (laughs) And, you know, it's perfectly understandable. <laughs> right. And then eight years later, you're like, hmm. well, it wouldn't be the best scenario. But, you know, I also um, I also think that it so much depends on, on what you want out of life. Right. Right. What every individual person wants out of life. And that part has especially can you handle being sexually functioning that got less and less. And I was never really all that interested in genital surgery anyway. So that wasn't ever that big a threat. Mm -hmm. Like, well, um, I, I think one of the things that I hear so many people, or it seems that so many people think that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, I, it's tough to be in the world and to be forced to choose these two between two different genders. Like I remember when all of a sudden you had to list your gender to have an airplane ticket. And I thought this is, this is really like, why do you need to know that Hmm. for me to get on board a plane? Like, does that really stop somebody from in person? I mean, how many people impersonate another gender to Hmm. get on an airplane? Like this seems really silly, but then someone who's in the middle is then is forced to choose, right? So I kept my documents all with all of my birth stuff for the longest time. And most of it was just because I thought I was born that way. Like, I'm not afraid to, that that's my journey. I'm not afraid of saying that. Being who I am today doesn't change the journey. Change, like they wanna be able to, to flip a switch and now it's all. Okay perfectly aligned and that's just not realistic and when you realize that's not realistic then you wonder why you did it in the first place i suppose mm-hmm. and that's i'm extrapolating a little because that's not my experience but and 
There's a, there's several questions I want to ask. One is that in the public discourse writ large on trans issues, um, the male to female has kind of taken the central role in the the mouthpiece for the trans movement. That's my perception. Right. Why do you think that is? Why do you think um, female to males aren't uh, the champions and aren't in the center so much? Um, one one thought I've seen is that female to males just want to kind of get on with life and don't That's necessarily want to make a big deal out of things, which is like this really interesting mix of masculinity and femininity, kind of like demure and just like it doesn't matter. I want to get to work or, or get on with things. Um, right. And, and that, that those are gender stereotypes. I, I apologize for, for using those. But um, what why do you think that there's not a lot of voices from, from your position? Um, uh, I think that there are voices. I don't think... Uh, I mean... Hmm. I think that one of the reasons that... Uh, one of the reasons is that it's just so much... I don't... This doesn't sound right. In a lot of ways, there are, um, it's easier. Testosterone just does all this work. And so there's not as much fight to get what you want. Like, you don't have to see a doctor to have your Adam's apple shaved. And you don't have to go for electrolysis. And you don't have to go to vocal coaching. And you like nothing. Really, it's you get shots. And then you have like six months of being a teenage boy. And then everything is, is like, then you're grown up. Um I do feel like there were, I did a second growing up. Hmm. But, like a second puberty uh, kind of thing? Yeah, well, there's definitely a second, a second puberty. And I think that works both ways. I don't know for sure because I haven't talked to many trans women. But, um, but definitely there's a second puberty. But uh, aside from that, like there's just not as – I think there's not as much active work involved, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like sure, you can go to the gym and build muscle and – become the masculine kind of person that you want but mm -hmm. you're like testosterone does most of the work for you and estrogen does a lot of work in feminizing trans women but there's still a lot of work that has to be much more directed i think yeah, yeah. i mean that's my impression yeah well, skeletal structure and jaw and yeah. like you're saying the adam's apple and... and you can do as much as you want or as little as you want but you know, it just depends on what your end result is. I mean, mm -hmm. I think one of the things for me that was, I remember early when I was early transition, I hung out in New York City a lot and had a bunch of friends who went to trans. I have a couple of funny stories to tell you if if I forget, remind me. Okay. Um, but I had a, a bunch of young trans friends, young meaning, you know, early 20s. And... Um, they were frustrated because they felt like they didn't pass well. And I think it's because they had a, a kind of a fictitious idea of what it was to be a man. And they weren't just themselves. Like they would ask me for advice and I'd say, D just be yourself. Like the most important thing is be yourself and be honest and true. And then who you are will come through. It's not a big mm. deal. But if you try, if you're trying to attain some, some ideal of man, uh, like then you come across as trying and and it's hard i think that's hard to get past but i also think it's a lot easier for trans men because uh, because testosterone does so much of it yeah. like then it's just a matter of time wait you'll grow facial hair your voice will change you'll bulk up a little bit i'm so much stronger than i was 
There's one funny one. I used to be able to lift a bucket of paint. I wasn't weak by any stretch, but I could lift one five-gallon bucket at a time, right, as a girl. And then testosterone and six months, and I had one in each hand very easily. Hmm. It was no joke, like a night and day difference. That oh, brings so up the whole uh, trans women and, and female sports. And sports, yeah. yeah. Which I, I wish that I had a firm opinion on that because I'm really split. Yeah. Like – but, you know, I was the girl who practiced with the guys at the basketball team, too. Like, I wasn't going to let somebody tell me that because I was born female that I was not good enough to play. So, I don't know. So, so there was a case. Of, you're you're close to my age, right? I'm 44, almost 45, right? Yeah, so I'm you're about 43 almost, yeah. Yeah. So there was a case when I was young, I remember, of a girl who wanted to attend a, mil a boys' military academy. And I remember being all for her, like, yes, you go, right? And then she got there. She was finally admitted. She petitioned. And then she wouldn't cut her hair. And I was so mad because mm. I thought, you want to play that game, then play by those rules. Like, if you have to cut your hair to be part of that, like, you wanted to be part of that game. So now play by the rules. Mm. Mm -hmm. So... For me, there's, hmm. you know, if a, if a trans woman has been on estrogen and has, like, gone through all of the things that would take testosterone away for years, for long enough, and so the playing field is kind of leveled, I don't know. On the other hand, if a trans man wants to compete and has had testosterone and feels like being out there, go for it. Mm -hmm. But I, it's hard because it's a double standard, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I, there's... There's reason, I mean, just like testosterone and scientific reason, what, what, how testosterone affects you. Uh, right. Your and growth and then your performance. Bone density, arm length, like there's a lot, yeah. So yeah. if you want to start as the underdog, by all means, but if you want to start with the leg up, we have to talk about this, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. What, what yeah, is your your view on transphobia um and i want to use uh, i guess we should talk about what transphobia is because it's now being used as a way to shut up any sort of criticism but like yeah. i'm talking about actual aggressive acts and discrimination and um detrimental behaviors towards um trans men um what's been your experience and your and your research or your reading about um discrimination against trans men, like in, in New York and the communities? So I think that I've been fairly, like, I've been fairly blessed to be away from a lot of this. Like, I think that the only experience I really have isn't even mine. I have a friend in Philadelphia who was, is a real advocate for people first and foremost, but for, you know, LGBT, he was, um, he lived a very, heterosexual lifestyle for a long time even though he felt bi and then he finally was able to deal with that and became a really big advocate for a lot of people and so he has told me of many uh times where he's been told to sit down and shut up because he doesn't represent by skin color by whatever and that's like that's so you're talking from within the progressive movement from within the community from within the even the lgbt community right like hmm. so yes we get that you're gay bob but you don't get to speak for me because you have a penis i'm like hmm. people want to advocate for you can't you just like hmm. can't we i don't understand the militant like 
Yeah. Uh, I just don't understand it. And I haven't been. I um, have not been exposed to much of it. I haven't been exposed much to trans communities because my first tastes of them were not good. So I just kind of went my own path. And hmm. I think that that happens that probably happens more for trans men than it does for trans women because of the ease of transitioning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm, and that's really guesswork on my part mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I don't know for sure. Um, but I do know that it has been fairly easy. I mean, people don't question me. No one would know. And one of the things I hate the most is when somebody f then finds out that I'm trans, they're like, Oh yeah, well I could tell cause <laughs> Really, you couldn't, but it's funny that you need to say that. Huh. So that's probably the most, like, that's the most controversy I've come across personally. I mean, of course, I watch it on, yeah. on YouTube. I think I actually found you. I don't think that I found you through looking up detransitioning, although I was looking for detransitioning for a while. But the Jordan Peterson, Lacey, um, is that her name? Lindsay. Lindsay. Shepherd, Lindsay yeah. Shepard stuff that really got my attention, and then um, and then the Evergreen State stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was, oh my gosh, <laughs> what a world we live in! Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of unanswered, or maybe even unanswerable questions, um, or even questions that you're just going to have to guess or just speak from your own point of view. Um, but one thing that's happening right now. And this is not proven. This is just a theory. And I even want to change the name of the theory is rapid onset gender dysphoria. Oh, um, yeah. And and I think that I just today I was thinking, actually, it should be called rapid onset gender fixation um, because there's just a certain crop of young women right now who are being swept up in uh, Tumblr and Reddit and, and the Internet. And it seems like they get so fixated on what I am. Uh, and and what I could label myself that they don't um, they don't go through the process of discovering who they are, um, right. and they just want to jump to transition and stuff. So I I want to know your uh, your view on that, and maybe just provide your story as a contrast um, because there's a lot of parents who are worried right now who are dealing with these daughters who have a multiple uh, level of like comorbidity or different other factors playing in right. um, that that are just uh, the the young women, it seems like they might be being sold a transition and and gender um, uh, gender change as a way of getting away or solving certain issues um, and kind of short circuiting the whole process of of kind of personal development. So just that is kind of a broad uh, kind of wheelhouse to play in. But what what are your concerns or your thoughts about? Um, the sudden rise in, in teen transition or, or trans tenderness. I don't mean that. Right. I know, I know that's a derogatory term, but it seems kind of apt. But yeah, right. When you said something about stereotypes and they, they're stereotypes for a reason because most people do behave this way. That's why we get there. Um, it seems, it seems super realistic to me. I mean, I do have a kid. I have, my kid is 19. I am um, aware of, a lot of things that probably a lot of people without kids, you know, yes, there, I saw it in my kids' school, the, this like crop of people who all, oh, well, I'm trans and, and they've all gone their own ways since there's been some up, some down. And 
I think the hard part is being a supportive parent without um, I don't know I, being supportive you need to support someone's decisions but at the same time don't enable behavior that is uh, not well thought out right yeah. so like so I don't know what my Mm. You you're, you feel so it seems like you're so humble and wizened <laughs> by your experience that you already know there's no blanket remedy to there this. really isn't but I know that there are a lot of early signs like I know I, I do know that at four if you'd asked me if I wanted to always be a boy I had a name picked out for myself mm. I was pissed off when my parents gave my name to my baby sister like I was so mad that I, I couldn't even see straight and probably was violent toward other people because of it. So my parents told me that they thought I was going to be a boy and that my name was supposed to be Corey. And then I had a sister and they thought she was going to be a boy. And so they were, her name was going to be Corey. And then the third sister got the name Corey and I was eight. And I can remember being so mad. And then I Sorry discovered to laugh. <laughs> it's, cute. it's hilarious though. It really is. I was like, I was so mad for a long time. I probably took it out on her. Like mm. I, I was not the kindest to her. So, um, hmm. but a, a big part of it was the story that I had in my head about how that was my name. Mm. You know? So when I was 11 or 12, I think maybe 12 or 13, I started reading a lot of uh, spy stories and watching James Bond. And so then I picked my name, like, but I had my name, I had my name before puberty. I had my name before I was really, really quite aware that there were these massive differences between boys and girls. Mm -hmm. Like, I think those are signs. And if you look at a teenager who doesn't have those signs, then maybe we ought to slow down. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like for me, I know there are a lot of people with similar stories to me, but you know, as a percentage of the population, we're not that highly represented. Yeah. So to have 20 in one town is like, that seems a lot, yeah. even four or five in one, you know, class of 200 kids. Yeah. Like uh, there's one I can give you one or two, but probably not. So it's made me really think back over those initial conditions, which to me were too harsh, right? Like at, at the time that I started transitioning, I was looking for informed consent because I thought I'm a grown up. I should be able to make my own decisions. Tell me what the side effects are. Tell me what the problems I might face are. And I can make the choice. I don't think you can say that to someone who's 16. I don't mm -hmm. think that even, you know, there was a reason that the place that I went, their, uh, their lower cutoff was 21. Like it wasn't 18. You can buy cigarettes, but you can't drink. And you can't make this informed consent decision mm -hmm. right now. You need to go through some more steps because we need to be sure about this because this is not like, can you go back? Sure, you can. But there are things that are changing that won't ever be the same yeah. again. Would you, knowing what you know now and looking back on your past frustration, would you have gone the route of early uh, transition, teen transition um, and, and having to give up uh, fertility? No. No, I, I wouldn't. And 
it's not even about that for me. It was okay. more about as a teenager, there were just so many ways that, that people are different than each other. Like you're learning who you are and exploring your differences. And uh, like it would have been nice not to have to have radical chest surgery. Like that's the only thing that I can see as a benefit to early transition, right? Like mm-hmm. it makes surgery easier okay. if you go that route. Mm-hmm. Like that's I, – I don't know that I have the same opinion about uh, male to female people though. Because testosterone wreaks havoc on your body in a lot mm, of ways. Like yeah. It changes so many things that if you had – if I were uh, male to female, would I decide that an early transition was – yeah, maybe. Like because so many things change. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's a tough – that's super tough because of that. Yeah. Because of that more than anything. What's and your... I don't even know – that yeah. I, I, it's about the kids. Like, I don't even know if it's about having kids. Like, I'm not sure that that would have been my reason to say no. I think it's more about, um, no, I really needed to work out who I was first. And then the rest of it, like being mm. a trans person to me is like having brown hair. Like, it's just part of me. Mm. Um, and I had to work out a lot of different things to make sure from, from my own, for my own peace of mind, I needed to make sure that I wasn't going that route for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't think I would have changed. I don't know. Teenagers are awfully um, <laughs> impulsive. Impulsive, yeah. And aggressive. So, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about the current state of discourse around trans issues? You know, my honest answer is that it scares me to death. Really? Uh, yeah. Partly, um, partly because of things like that got me to uh, Jordan Peterson and Evergreen, uh, because I'm seriously concerned about freedom of speech. Like that, that was it. The saying that you cannot, by law, misgender somebody. Oh, that I can't. I can't get on board with that because I think you ought to be able to say whatever you want. And we can all think that you're a jerk because you say jerkish things, but I don't think that they should be punishable by law. That's too much for me. Um, And to think about how we got to this part, to this discussion, like it's a bit shocking to see, like, I don't understand why you need to be so militant that you have to have other people recognize you. Why isn't it enough for you to recognize you yourself? for who you are. Like, why do you need the universe to validate you? Like that seems to me a bigger problem than whether or not you have an M or an F on your driver's license. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but that those voices seem to be so loud and powerful. That's what scares me. Mm-hmm. Like, and part of it too, is because of the backlash to that, like the Republican uh, CPAC thing the other day, they were talking about trans people on stage and that's like, we are not that there aren't that many of us and we but we are in the world amongst people who didn't know we were there yeah and part of safety to some people is being not seen yeah so like that that scares me too like there are enough trans people who have violence visited upon them and unfortunately mostly trans women but to have more people foaming at the mouth to get the trannies out of the bathroom like mm-hmm. That scares me. 
So partly because it's really silly, but partly because the people who are the most likely to be rabid are also tend to be violent or tend to be aggressive, mm-hmm. or at least from my perspective, right? And right. so that, that's that been my concern uh, specifically since uh, the Laurier incident when the trans group decided that they had been visited all this transphobia and trans violence because of Lindsay Shepard when there was zero, zero right. evidence of yeah. anything happening. And there was a whole bunch of grandstanding and a whole bunch of extremely narcissistic behavior by yeah. trans people. And one, I think one video that I, it's not that good, but I had just had to say that, that these people are the worst possible representatives of this community and will only set back acceptance of trans folk um, and right. not forward it at all. Um, I mean, that, th- it seems like they've they've gained, you know, Twitter is bowing to them and various, uh, you know, uh, institutions are bowing to them um so they're getting short-term gains uh short-term gains but i I see like you like with the cpac thing i haven't watched that this is the first time i heard of it um i'll have to go back and watch that um but the the so do you think that that um changing the quality of discourse around it is key um and or how do we challenge the militant trans rights activists in such a way as to pacify them um, so that they don't keep on perpetuating a cycle of, of hate? Uh, boy, that like that's a million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Like, because ignoring them isn't working. I mean, I, I, one of the things I think is that I, they definitely aren't representative of the vast majority of people, at least people I know. Um, and there are great voices out there. It's just that, the, that those seem to yeah. be super loud. And, and they well, get all the attention because it plays into the hands of... Yeah, exactly. Like, what is media going to pick up? Are they going to pick up the good, quiet message or the, the like hateful, loud one? So, I mean, that speaks to the fact that that in a lot of ways, it's a much larger societal problem, which is our infatuation with hateful, loud stuff. You know, like it's not just trans people there. Mm-hmm. So I think that if we can solve that, we could uh, apply it across the board and solve a lot of problems worldwide. Because uh, the example of the protesters that are the people who got all riled up at Evergreen State, like this or Evergreen is it Evergreen State? Yeah. You Evergreen went there, State, right? No. Yeah. No, I was there, yeah. 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 Um, because some of the videos I saw, I thought, oh, these people are just hateful. Like, it's not about uh, people's rights. It's about whether or not they get to be loud and heard, you know, like, which which to me is very, is very much what I saw in the – I searched it um, – the protests outside of a Peterson event where the Jigglypuff person was the, yeah. So it's the, it was the same spewing of the same kind of vitriol. And it's not about um, rights. It's about control. It's about, I need to control you or I need to, and, and it's couched in this term of equality. And it's so, it seems to me that it's so much more pervasive. It's not just a, 
it's not yeah. it's more just this activist mentality right yeah. um and i i think that in terms of the the transitioning and all of that i think that oh if i even say this out loud <sighs> more thoughtful parenting like that's one of the things that gets to me it's like my parents were there uh, they weren't the most available people. They were both teachers, but um, hmm. they certainly encouraged me to do my own exploration. But I think that if I had come to them with "I need to transition when I were when I was fifteen or sixteen," that they would have said, "We'll support you, but you need to do all the legwork, right? Like it's all on you. You've got to find out." And then I I feel like I'm not well enough informed because to me informed consent was a lifesaver but hearing ha uh, people driving to the next town to find somebody who will just write a prescription for them that scares the crap out of me because mm. that should not that's way too um involved a process to be able to just skirt it you know like so will will there be people who get through the cracks yeah there will be but i think that maybe revisiting how that goes about mm. Mm -hmm. so then that that might help with the with the early trans people, like the uh, rapid onset of anything, or um, give people a way to grow up more before becoming a trans activist. You know, hmm. maybe, but it won't change the uh, crazed mm -hmm. activist part of yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, you're. To go back to something you said earlier, there's this weird phrase about um, with regards to certain voices on the Internet that to question whether or not a trans woman should be in sports or to enter into the debate is somehow erasing their existence. And I really jive with what you said about the having the locus of control of your existence not be right. in the universe, but be inside of yourself. And right. And the hijacking of uh, gender dysphoria, of transition by people who are, that's just one path for, the, for their self-discovery. It's not the final solution um, right. for their existence. One of my really good trans friends said that transition just got them to the, a level playing field. And they had a whole bunch of other stuff to work through. That just took, uh, got them out of the negative um, right. with regards to the way that they interacted with their body and the amount of dysphoria that they experienced. So, but you promised me some funny New York trans stories. Oh, yeah. I think I gave you part of one, which is the, that was my Miamix adventure was the one where the incredibly aggressive lesbian at the door was so mad. But one of, okay, so... This is maybe admitting a little bit too much about myself, but you know, I was young and I was in New York City, so you do what you do, right? Um, I went with some friends to a uh, to a party. This was it was so early in transition for me, so I was on testosterone for a few months, probably four or five, and was with some transgender queer. I don't even know. I don't think we had that many words then. This like more and more words kind of confuses me, but whatever like it's not enough to care so much but we were going to a um like a swingers party and it was in the basement of this apartment building in brooklyn and the cover charge was five dollars for women and trans men and something like 45 for men 
to try and cut down on the ogling, like the standing. I, I totally understand. But I got to the door and uh, the trans guy at the door asked me for $45. I was like, well, no, are you kidding me? And, um, I'm trans. And I had to convince this trans guy that I was trans by threatening to pull my pants down in, <laughs> there in front of everyone. And I remember that. Well, they were coming so off anyways, insane. right? <laughs> It was fantastic because it was such a validation for me as a guy in the world. Like that was, that was probably the best validation I had early on. That another like, so because I was, I was so. Um, this is not a New York City story. I realized I was so um, rigid in not giving up the name my parents gave me like that was super important to me and if the world were a different place where i could just explain that i was trans to anyone who questioned i would probably have kept all of that stuff Hmm. um but i got all right that's a different story uh i so i was in utah i was driving across utah with a friend and i left my credit card at a gas station where i paid for gas and I had to then go back and get it. And the guy at the counter asked for my ID so he could see that that you know this was indeed your credit card. I told him, this is my name. This is my credit card. Wait, really? Like, yeah, it's my credit card. Can I see your license? Here's my license. And he looked and he looked and he looked at the card, at the license, at me. And finally, he kind of shook his head and said, dude, I'm so sorry about your parents. Like, because he couldn't even... <laughs> think that that they that they would have named me that right like oh my god the 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 boy named sue that's what he was thinking in his head your parents are crazy so i have a lot of really funny little stories like that i kind of miss that like having Hmm. my ids kind of match takes away all those great stories right Hmm. so you kind of your attitude is that you kind of celebrated the uh the gender dysphoria that you caused in other people with regards it it was a little fun yeah (laughs) It was a little fun to see them kind of scratch their heads and go, wait a minute, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. But it also to me, like every experience like that just um, hit home that we're all just people. And like mm. all we have to go from is our own personal experience. So if you've never experienced a, a trans person except for watching Tu Wong Fu, then what are you going to think about trans people? Like mm. it's just... And for a trans per- person then to say, no, you must, you must like recognize me are particularly people who want to have some kind of third gender pronoun. Like most of the country doesn't understand you and that's all there is to it. So for you to demand that the world bow to you, I it just, it seems really mm. wrongheaded. And I, you know, you said something, it was my parents who always said to me i remember my mom saying um or talking about how if uh if i let other people get to me constantly the it it wasn't them being mean it was how i chose to deal with it so like having that attitude kind of enforced my whole life it really really i think helped me in my transition in my life in my outlook on the world because I don't look outside for validation. It's all about how I feel about me. And I feel like I've said before that after, like I would say after the first six months, because the first six months of testosterone were rocky. They, it wasn't that 
it was really just second puberty that was rocky. Like that's just rough. And it's hmm. hard enough to know that it's going to happen and go into it at, you know, 26 or 27 and you have some world experience and you think, okay, wow, I can't even imagine going through that at 16 because that was crazy. But after that, I would say that my worst day with the world seeing me as a guy and with feeling at home in my body, um, the worst day today is thousands of times better than my best day before. So, and I had some good days. They're all part of who I am and part of my story, but it still was the right choice for me. But I do think that we're rare. I think that those of Mm. us who really need to go through a full surgical hormone transition, we're not, it's not to be taken lightly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is probably the wrong way of thinking about it, but was it? Was it gaining masculinity that helped or was it losing femininity? Um, Does that even make sense? Like, did you want to get away from being a girl more than or did you want to align with being a guy? I that's funny because I've heard you ask that question before a similar question, right? Yeah, Um, it might be the wrong way of thinking about it. No, no, no. I, I think it's. I think when I've heard I've heard other people ask that question, it I had a great answer, and now I'm thinking more about it. And I think it was definitely for me. It was definitely gaining masculinity, and it but it wasn't about masculinity in the sense of the world, because one of the things that I remember saying early on, and just um, is that as like I see myself as a as a look, I can't even use these words because I'm such a stickler with words mean something Mm. that it's hard for me to use these words because they don't really apply. Like, am I a straight or gay or like, it doesn't. Okay. So I'm attracted to men. I consider myself typically gay. When, if everyone else sees me, that's what they'll see. Right. So by all intents and purposes, I consider myself a gay man because that's what the world sees. Hmm. Inside, I don't. I don't like those words, but whatever. Mm. Um, but I was able to become more feminine as the world saw me as masculine, if that makes any sense. Like before transitioning, I worked really hard to be strong. I mean, there's a reason that everybody thought I was some butch lesbian. It's because I put that forward, but I was going to show you that I was just as strong and just as fast and just as smart as you, no matter what. I worked really hard at that. I worked hard at taking up space, at being as masculine as possible, not because not because I was thinking of it as masculine, but because I was thinking of it as equal. Okay. Hmm. So then hmm. once the world started just treating me that way, because there's a lot of privilege that comes along with being a white male in hmm. society and the world backs up to you in a lot of ways, I can talk a lot about the not privileges too, but like, yeah. Everyone has ups and downs. Yeah. But once the world started seeing me that way, I was able to let go of all those things I'd tried so hard to do. Like I didn't need to take up as much space. Like I didn't have to make sure that I sat with my legs in a particular place because I didn't care anymore. Yeah. Like I wasn't trying so hard. That That's uh, something that I haven't thought about it or it seems like a different take or a different experience than, than I've imagined or that I've witnessed is that you transition was actually 
transitioned allowed you to relax rather than yeah in, embark on this whole journey of of shaping yourself into this ideal man you you were able to let go uh yeah, of pursuing exactly. that um that might be one thing uh, another way of of gauging if it's if it's healthy or if it's good right uh, right but you know i in talking to you i'm talking myself into thinking that the 2 years of cross living is important which is so funny because I was so against it. Hmm. I mean, there are still other parts of informed consent that I'm very much against. Like it really irritates me that you need a letter from. So a woman can go in for chest reduction or enlargement, either one. And you don't have to have a psychologist say that it's good for your mental health. But to have chest surgery as a trans person, in many places, you still need to have a psychiatrist say that this is what's right for you. And I think, you know, as a human being, if you'd like to have a little less chest tissue, you ought to be able to have a little less chest hmm. tissue if mm -hmm. you can afford it. Right. So there are still some. Hmm. But I'm not sure that I want to say that every 18 year old can hear one person say no and just go find someone else to do it either. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's just so complicated. Yeah. And to think that we can answer it quickly is. Yeah. Uh, no, not possible.